The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 295, broadcasting live Wednesday, May 27th, 2015. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning in to My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show regarding mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. It is my take on all four of those topics. Of course, uh, listener and viewer discretion is advised due to strong language as usual. As always, we do take live calls throughout the show. 347-324-3541 is our call-in number. Different ways to tune in and listen to the show live are as follows. mtrlive.com will give you audio and video, high-quality audio via Mixler, and our video stream provided by our friends at GFQ. You can also watch it at gfqlive.tv and participate in the chat on that side as well. Last but not least, you can use our call-in number and not hit option one, and you'll be able to listen to the show that way. For mobile users, you can use the official Mixler app. Just enter My Take Radio, and you'll be taken to the live show page. Also got some really cool news, courtesy of our friends at GFQ. You can also watch the show live via the GFQ app on your Roku set-top boxes. So if you have a Roku set-top box, you can actually tune in at 11 p.m. and you can watch the video feed via the Roku app, uh, the GFQ Roku app. In addition, Fire TV and Android TV users will be able to use the GFQ app as well to watch live streams of the show in progress. Last but not least, if you are an Apple TV user, you can actually watch video via the Daily Motion app. Just look up GFQ and you'll be able to watch the live feed there as well. So a couple of different options, including some new ones, courtesy of our friends at GFQ. So for you guys to watch the live shows as well as any other GFQ programming, should you so choose. So there you have it. Lots of cool stuff on deck. A couple of different ways to listen to the show, watch the show, and of course part and of course participate, which is the, the big driver on this show. We always accept uh, feedback via, via chat, of course, or via 
call in. So feel free to participate either way you see fit. A couple of things I did want to get out of the way on the housekeeping side of things. Um, did get a, a very interesting email, which I'm going to address in a moment. But um, I know that our broadcasting schedule has been a bit sporadic with either one show, um, either a wrestling or a gaming show during the week instead of the usual two shows. Uh, just trying to deal with a bunch of stuff off air. And I know in June we are going to have some broadcasting scheduling issues as well. Uh, primarily because we have Consumer Electronics Week. We're also going to have a couple of things going on in July. I will be out of town in August, so there will be one week where there will be no shows. So the summer schedule is going to be a little sporadic, but we will definitely try our hardest to give you the best content possible, courtesy of the RageWorks Network. Of course, you have My Take Radio, Black is the New Black, which has two episodes, one which we've uploaded and the second which will be uploaded after the show. We also have a brand new Buried show heading your way, courtesy of Cork and Blade, whose uh, audio I have to edit before we upload. And, of course, you got two servings of My Take Radio this week, MMA and Wrestling Tonight, and, of course, Gaming and Entertainment tomorrow. I'm actually going to be joined this evening by Ben, who's going to give me the assist on the MMA side of things. And him and Taylor, of course, the hosts of Black is the New Black, We'll be joining me tomorrow as we talk gaming and entertainment and also break down some of the upcoming summer movies. For those of you that haven't checked out Black is the New Black, definitely give it a listen. If you're a fan of sports, nerd shit, as Ben likes to call it, and hip-hop, definitely give them a listen. Him and Taylor have done a tremendous job. They've really grown into uh, the podcasting space really, really well. Amazing chemistry, and I'm happy to know both guys, and I'm happy to also be on this crazy journey with them, especially with a lot of milestones that we, um, that we've shared over the last couple of weeks. Um, we actually crossed 73,000 downloads. Um, this is courtesy of my take radio black is the new black, the buried show and all of our other shows on the RageWorks network. And of course we are well on our way to MTR 300, which I think I have an idea of what's going to happen for episode 300 and um if if i do decide to pull the trigger on that it's definitely going to change things quite a bit for at least myself and the my take radio brand but of course we still have five episodes to go for counting tomorrow night's gaming and entertainment episode so we're going to get into that um interesting email i got um this person for some reason chose to remain anonymous and they just wrote Hey, noticed you're not doing any more opening monologues on the show. Uh, was this something you decided to do or have things just not been interesting? A uh, couple of things. Things have been a little quiet. I, I haven't been having any weird, uh, crazy experiences, but I've also been keeping things low key. A um, couple of reasons, obviously, just uh, an increased workload at the real job, which... Um, you know, just takes away a lot of time for some stuff. Plus everything going on behind the scenes to grow RageWorks and, and the RageWorks network and all the stable of shows and, you know, trying to cover events. And because of that, my focus has been on a lot of that. Um, even my backlog of games has gotten tremendously huge. A lot of the stuff I've been picking up, I haven't been able to play. And most of the stuff that I am working on is stuff that's being reviewed for the site. So a lot of this stuff takes a big hit um monologue wise of course if something interesting happens or something 
uh, that really, really gets under my skin, I will definitely share it. Uh, things have been a bit quiet, you know, most of the stuff that's out there, um, I have opinions on it, but I just don't feel that, um, you know, I just don't feel, I just don't feel it warrants uh, a long, you know, 20 minute dialogue, but I just, um, I figure that there's, there's going to be a time and a place for that stuff. I know a lot of you guys really like the, uh, the monologues, the more deeper takes, on stuff and um you know some of you have asked to do a blog or another podcast and it's something that's been considered but again just just way too much going on at this point but um the other thing i wanted to touch on is patreon i actually interviewed the real brian from ProfitCast. that's going to be on mtr behind the mic uh mtr app owners will be getting that first once the uh editing process is complete and it will be released to the general public you know within a week or two after but it was an, a really, really great conversation with uh, the, the real Brian from ProfitCast and Arrow Squad. And, um, you know, we touched on Patreon and really wanting to do uh, something bigger with Patreon to grow the show and to and to monetize certain things. And I did want to put this out there just to put things in perspective. Uh, the average show, the, the average um, downloads per month, just per month for us is, you know, between 2000, you know, 1500 to 2000, sometimes as high as 3000 in a month. And our Patreon model that we had originally adopted was at $1 per show. And at $1 per show, you know, if 500 people donated, that would be $500 a month. And doing that would allow us to offset some expenses, maybe do the show more often, um, we could pass some of that on to our other uh, hosts on, on the network to do some things and try and make some things. Uh, ben was talking about doing something more with Skype and things of that nature. And because of that, um, when we do revisit Patreon, which I'm trying to figure out what perks and what things we do, these are some things we do want to address. I figure, like I said, at a dollar an episode or two dollars an episode, Spread that out over 500 people at a dollar an episode. That's 500 bucks at, you know, two dollars. That's that's a thousand. And it will allow us to do substantially more, including upgrading equipment, uh, doing more shows per week, improving video equipment, et cetera, et cetera. I know many of you have reached out and have expressed interest in Patreon and wanting to do stuff with us. And while the regular page does exist, and I, and I do want to thank thank Javon Lewis for, for being one of the first to jump on board. We are going to revisit it and we're going to try and do something a bit more, a bit more direct. Again, we'd love to give out all these great rewards and buttons and t-shirts and all that bullshit. But again, it's something, those things cost money too. So we're, we're going to actually approach Patreon a little different. And, um, Brian from ProfitCast gave us a lot of really great tips and insight to hopefully make that successful. Um, I know I've said it over the last couple of weeks that we're working on it, but we're also working on some stuff on the site, which has taken a lot longer than expected. Uh, for those of you that were asking about other stuff on our YouTube channels, my take radio TV and official RageWorks, we are putting up more product reviews and I just got to get time scheduled to do some streaming I know a lot of you guys want to know what's going on with Blast from the Past and some of the old school games, and I definitely do want to get to that stuff. Again, just time management issues have not been on my side. Um, one thing I want to address, 
uh, before we jump into the MMA for this week is for all of our staff. I know a lot of our staff are interested in doing shows and podcasts and doing all this stuff, and that's great, and I welcome the content, and I appreciate the content, but there, you know, there's other things that we do have to work on um, aside from our podcast offerings. Obviously, with my take radio twice a week, Black is the New, Black is the new Black, and of course, um, stuff from, from, the, from the Buried crew, there's definitely an ample amount of shows to meet everyone's demand, but I know some of you guys want to do other things, and I've met with some of you off air, and you guys got some really great ideas that I look forward to bringing to our listeners and our audience, and we're definitely going to strive to do that as well. But I wanted to acknowledge that publicly so that some of our staff do not do not think that their opinions and recommendations have fallen on deaf ears. All right, so what's on deck for tonight? Ben's going to be joining me to talk MMA. Of course, we're going to be talking about Weidman and Belfort, who is the UFC's newest light heavyweight champion. We're going to get into the MMA news of the week, including some UFC Hall of Fame announcements. On the wrestling side of things, you know we're going to talk about Raw, the buildup for the Elimination Chamber. Is Destination America canceling TNA? And what does Ring of Honor have to do with it? So there you have it, guys. Let's get this ball rolling and jump into the week's MMA news, shall we? Damn, I just realized that MMA drop was loud as hell. <laughs> I'm going to have to edit that in post. Anyway, uh, My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your favorite fighter tees, rash guards, and training gear by heading over to MMAWarehouse.com. Head over to RageWorks.net and look for coupons and promo codes throughout the site. Feel free to implement those. And as always, any banner that is clicked on RageWorks.net is you know, proceeds from it do help us improve the site, improve the show to give you guys a better product. All right. So let's jump right into it. Let's not waste any time. I see Ben is in the queue. I'm going to bring him in and we're going to get this ball rolling. Big Ben. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Welcome back. Uh, Nothing much going on, man. Yeah, you've been a you've been a, a busy guy. I was, you know, saying at the top of the show, we got two episodes of Black is the New Black, and a uh, lot of lot of things going on on that end. You guys are doing good work. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, it was, it might have been three episodes if, if one of them didn't get eaten <laughs> up by sound quality, but it's just. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we trying to get them out. <laughs> no, I, I I appreciate the work you guys are putting in. You guys are really developing amazing chemistry you're starting to get a really good dedicated following you know i see it in the chat sometimes i don't i don't sound off in the chat but i see that you guys got a nice stable of regulars in there which is great yeah so yeah we we got a few friends that uh decided that they they were gonna to try to catch every show so it, it it's kind of fun that way <laughs> good it, it, it really helps out you know just seeing the engagement because like i said i could i could send you numbers any day of the week and they're great but the interactions are always what matter first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. So switching gears, let's jump into, into UFC 187. Um, before we pick, in, we pick apart some of these fights, 
What did you think of the card as a whole? Did you feel that it delivered even though John Jones wasn't main eventing? Did you feel the card uh, delivered with regards to the other fights? Um, as, as good as, as well as the UFC could have hoped it, could, uh, it did. You know, with John Jones being an ass and Khabib never get off, like, uh, tearing something in his knee again, like, this, this could have turned into uh, a bad card. And they did a really good job with the main, the main event um, <clears throat> and, and the Donald Cerrone fight. They, they did a good job uh, getting, you know, uh, replacement fights. So the card turned out to be pretty good. I was I was bummed that uh, Rose Namajunas' fight was derailed due to, um, obviously, her opponent having the flu and the doctor not medically clearing her to fight. Of course, there was already a, 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 black, eye, a black eye on that fight because uh, her opponent couldn't make weight, but given that she was ill, it didn't even matter at this point. Yeah, so, I mean, if why she couldn't make weight was because she was sick, which I can completely believe if you had a flu, Absolutely. And I, that's understandable. It does suck that the fight got uh, canceled. And, I mean, we haven't seen it since she lost to Carla Esposa. It'd be nice to see Rose again sometime soon. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll see her soon. I mean, she was in fighting shape. I'm sure that they'll they'll throw on a card as soon as possible. Yeah, I think definitely switching, switching, you know, switching gears and jumping back into training camp should be easy for her. Um, like you said, she was coming off that loss to Carla Spars, and everybody's really, really curious as to what's going to unfold because everybody felt that she was um, either a potential contender or a champion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like like you said, like you know, you kind of want to see if she just a prospect or if she really what what she showed on the show uh, a real ability to to finish most of these girls. So. I mean, I'm, I I want to see what she looks like now after the show, but I guess we, we got to wait until the next time she's scheduled for a fight. There you go. Now, I wanted to talk about this Uriah Hall, uh, Rafael Natal fight, only because Uriah Hall um, really, really turned it up trying to really get at the guy at the weigh-ins, and I said, I didn't even know these guys really had any sort of beef. Um, I think on, on one side, it's Uriah Hall trying to get some traction, but... To, to do all that and then lose via decision, again, it's one of those things we've talked about with Uriah Hall on a couple of occasions. The guy is a, is a great fighter, you know, a solid prospect, but it's it's really hit and miss when he goes in there. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't throw offense. That, that's, that's, that's the gist of, of him. Like, he has all this ability. He can strike. He, he's a decent uh, and stopping the takedown, he could do a lot of things, and he just doesn't do them in the cage. And like you said, I, I don't know what all that stuff was at the weigh-in, but if you're gonna do all that, like I'm gonna need you to actually, you know, throw some punches. Like I'm, I'm gonna need you to actually fight. And uh, he didn't, and he lost. And he kind of is what he is at this point. He he is a fighter who's not gonna really wow you because he's not gonna be unless unless he's able to hit you cleanly and get you hurt he's not gonna he's never gonna open up he's gonna act like it's a point fighting uh karate exhibition well you know it's funny it's funny you actually mentioned that because a lot of people are like oh uriah hall's trying to use that um he's trying to use the leota machida offense and i said uh to the person that told me this i said you know what that's not the case because leota machida still counter counter punches and counter strikes while being elusive yeah so it's not the same. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, Matita, I mean, you can have a boring Matita fight, but it's normally not because, like, you know what Machida is going to do. Right. And if someone comes after Machida, Machida is going to hurt them. Like, that's, that's what Machida does. With Hall, you can come after him. He's not going to do anything. He's, gonna, he's, <laughs> he's not going to do anything. So, like, it's a completely different style of fighting. <laughs> no, it, it definitely, it, it is it is a completely different style of fighting. And again, you know, the, the Dana White endorsement coming out of that season, I, I have a feeling really put an unwanted amount of pressure on a guy that at the time was still developing. And I think even now, He's still developing, but he's gotten, he's become caught up in the quote unquote, you know, recognizable fighter lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but I mean, if he wants to stay in the UFC, he, he needs to, he needs to start throwing some offense because it's, it's, it's getting to the point now that like people are not going to want to see him fight. Yep. And he's going to be relegated to, to more and more undercards and prelims where, you know, the the opportunity to be showcased isn't going to go there because people are just going to look at it and be like, eh, you know, this guy's going to come out there and he's going to have his, you know, he's going to have his his typical exhibition style fight. And that's not that's not the move. I mean, if you want to emulate Lyoto Machida, then you might as well emulate him completely. Not not halfway. Yeah. Don't be don't be elusive and not strike. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, you you got to throw some offense, man, and that it's just it's crazy how little offense he actually ever goes. Yep. The other the other fight that really really blew my mind was that Josh Berkman Dong Young Kim fight, only because Josh Berkman's a guy that he always goes out there and he, and he pretty much goes out on his shield, but I didn't think that Dong Young mm-hmm. Kim was gonna take him out the way that he did because it was a, a beautiful transition into an arm triangle choke. I mean, they did go go the full three, but still, you know, definitely a, a solid a solid outing by Kim, pretty much from start to finish. Yeah, Kim looked good. Um, good against a, a good game journeyman uh, opponent. Um, that was a really impressive uh, arm triangle and to put him to sleep. Um, I mean, Kim, Kim, Dion Kim can do this to people. I mean, his losses have only been to the best fighters in the division. He hasn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, lost to anybody that you would consider like. Less than so, I mean, he he looked really good in the fight. To be honest with you, no, I was I was thoroughly impressed. And of course, uh, your boy John Dodson once again rock'em sock'em robots. That kid, that kid, well, that guy at this point is um he is a machine in there. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm I honestly I would love to see a Joseph Benavidez John Dodson fight. Yep, um, I think that would be. A hell of a fight to see, but I kind of feel like they're going to push John Dotson into a fight with DJ. Um, one, because he's the last guy to take any rounds off him. That's right. Um, and two, um, I mean, they're, they're running out of opponents for him. I, I would just, I would love to see him just in the video fight at some point, but you know, um, John Dotson is, <laughs> he's a hell of a fighter to watch. <laughs> Well, it's funny you brought him up. You brought up Joe Benavidez, of course. Him and him and Moraga squared off, and Benavidez looked looked crisp in his fight too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's three guys at 125 that if 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 DJ wasn't there, either uh, John Dawson or, or 
or uh, Benavidez will be doing the same thing Dida is doing. They be dominating because they're, they're those three guys are head and shoulders above everybody else. DJ's just a little bit better than those two. Um, right. So yeah, it, it's fun. It's fun seeing these three guys fight. It just sucks that they all at the same time are in one division. Only one of them can have a title. Yep that 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 was the funny thing too. It's it's something we talked about a couple of months back. You and I, um, where that division, it's you know the top the top guys and then everyone else. Like there's such a huge gap between the the upper guys in that division and everyone else that it's just ridiculous when you look at it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, y- you want to get good prospects in there like a Sergio Pettis, like a well before he got knocked out, but like like a Sergio Pettis, a Henry Henry Cujo, and you you want to get these guys in there, but it's hard to build a build fighters like that because at some point you got to fight one of these three. Absolutely, and they're they're probably going to beat you, and then you got to go back to square one, and it's it it it's hard to build it's hard to build a. A contender that way. Well, you know, it, it's it's different because each division has such a weird mix. I mean, we've talked about divisions that are, you know, a who's who of talent where any guy can be champion. Then you got guys where the separation is really, really big. I did want to go talk yeah. about that also from the heavyweight standpoint because the heavyweight division, it's like Kane, JDS, um, and then everyone else, Badoom. so to speak. Yeah, I mean Verdum to a degree. Verdum is up there too. Yeah. The the only reason why I, I'm I'm iffy with Verdum is because Verdum is in a very very weird situation because he kind of has the belt by default because Kane is out. Yeah. But it's like if him and Kane fight, as much as I think Verdum is a talented guy, I think on the feet Kane will kill him. <laughs> yeah, if Kane is healthy, I think Kane beats him. Yep. I, I, honestly, the heavyweight division, like honestly. I, that one is even less because I think it's Kane and everybody else. Because, like, <laughs> honestly, you just know Santos is not the same guy he was yep. before he stepped in there with Kane twice. Kane beat the shit out of him twice. Like, you don't – like, um, I, I, the fight when he had with Stipe Miocic, that wasn't the same JDS that had fought Kane before. Like That's right. You don't mentally you, – you can't really mentally recover from having a grown man beat the hell out of you for an hour, basically. Like, like that. He's just—he's not that same guy anymore, and so I, I don't think. And then with Redoom, I think Redoom is very good, but um, I, I just think a healthy Kane beats him. So I think with that division, I think it's Kane and everybody else. Well, you know, you know what's weird. Once you go from slots two to maybe six, you can interchange any one of those guys. But the problem is, you know, going back to what you were saying, that Kane. Kane brings everything to the table. He's a complete fighter. He has complete wrestling, both offense and defense. Rarely needs to use it because of, you know, napalm fists. So at that at that point, it's like he he doesn't even need to go into his toolbox for most of these guys because these guys, they are well-rounded, but their discipline lies always on the base, which... You know, for a guy like Verdum is all ground game. Verdum is all ground game. His stand-up, while it's admirable, it's not the same as, you know, his his ground game, which is world-class. Or a guy like Mark Hunt. You know Mark Hunt standing is is a problem. But once that fight goes to the ground, eh, not so much. Yeah, which, 
you know, it makes it all the more impressive that Mark Hunt in 2014 yep. had a had a running receive, which is just all the more impressive. But yeah, I mean, like you're saying, like there there's a huge gap at heavyweight between the top guys and the the, the bottom guys. It's just it's just how it is right now. Well, you know, it was funny when I was watching the Arlovsky Brown fight. I said to myself, "Really, Travis Brown is number three? And I wasn't even saying it to be, you know, to be a dick or to clown the guy. But I was like, "Really? Where the hell was I that he creeped it, crept up to that number three slot? What the hell was I doing?" Yeah, I, I didn't know he was number three either. <laughs> I, I had no idea he was number three either. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't really pay attention to the UFC rankings. I think they're kind of stupid, but. Um, cause I, the UFC ranking their own fighters, I think is just a recipe for disaster. But, True. uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was shocked he was number three too. Like I, I was like, what, what did he do to get three? But once again, like I, that's why I don't pay attention to their rankings. Well, <laughs> well, the crazy thing was the number three guy got decimated by the quote unquote number eight guy. Like Andre Olavsky, I'm like, I'm like, yo, this dude is, he's fighting like when, like when he was beating Tim Sylvia and taking his lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Like it, it, he, he looks really good in that fight. I mean, um, it, it's crazy. Like, I mean, people, 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 I guess don't like Jackson and Winkle John, but they are some of the best MMA coaches. Like from Olaski to go from what he was doing a couple of years ago when he got knocked the hell out by Fedor and getting knocked out left and right to now he's a completely different fighter. And it, it has a lot to do with going to train with Jackson and uh, Jackson and Winkle Johns. I mean, he, he looks really good. What really, what really blew my mind with that performance, aside from the fact that he was really, he, he really improved, you know, Arlovsky, it really, I think also is, is something that, Jackson and Winklejohn are very good at, and that's the psychological aspect. Because think about it. These are two guys. They're teammates. They're going in there to fight. That already is affecting you psychologically. But think about it also from Arlovsky's perspective. You're talking about a guy, again, the guy fought Fedor, got knocked out in highlight real fashion. You know, he went through that through that really big span where he was getting knocked out on the regular. And it made you question... Yeah where his career was going and for him to come back and be as sharp as he was against the guy who's younger and, you know, to, to some degree considered more complete is insane, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, it's crazy. And also, I mean, the fact that these two dudes either train together and him to just basically put that aside and knock him the hell out. It was just, it was, it was an impressive performance. Yep, and, and Arlovsky went on record and he said that it was really, really hard for him to, to, you know, go in there and fight a guy who he was so close with. And it just it just really puts things in perspective. Now, looking at this fight, who would who should Arlovsky fight next? Because at this point, it's like the number eight guy really just dismantled your number three. And it's like, yeah, you want to give him a bump in competition. There there's a part of me that would like to see Arlovsky and Overeem fight. As as twisted and terrible as that sounds. Uh, I saw an interview not uh, like it might have been a couple days ago. Well, Mike Winklejohn was like he uh, expects to see them fight for the title uh, over in Arlovsky because uh, you know he uh, over in trains with Jackson's now too. Yeah, um, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight too. Um, like, like I, I doubt we get it now though. Like, I doubt, 
I doubt they'll they'll agree to it like until it's either for the title or right before the title or something like that. Right. Um, if either one of them get to that point, if both of them get to that point, but um, I don't know, man. I uh, maybe like Stipe, uh, him versus Stipe, I think would be a good fight. Um, because Stipe Miocic is on a good run. Yeah, he's on a nice so, yeah, run. I, I think like Alaski versus Stipe, I think that would be a good fight. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that because, like I said, I was really shocked with the ranking placement for both of those guys. But like I said, for him to to so easily dispatch the quote unquote number three guy is you know that's a, that's a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah, that's what happens though at heavyweight. <laughs> yeah, a little a little uh, punch can change the night. That's it. Well, speaking of speaking of strikes changing the night, let's talk about this Donald Cerrone John McDessey fight. Which Donald Cerrone is, you know, he 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 said in an interview not too long ago when they were like, oh, you know, how do you feel on taking this fight? You know, this John McDessey fight, you really don't need to fight this dude if he beats you, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, what good is it me saying I'll fight anybody? And then as soon as my guy drops out and I'm ready to fight, you know, they give me this other fight. I go, nah, I don't want to fight him. He goes, what good is that if I'm the guy that says he'll fight anyone? And I was like, well, shit, you know, like that's that's how it has to be. But for him to go in there and John and let John McDessey really, you know, show show some 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 spirit. It wasn't like John McDessey went in there and laid down for him either. But the the fact that Cerrone pretty much just obliterated that guy's whole face <laughs> was was <laughs> insane. Um, a couple thoughts on this fight. One. John McDessey looks really small compared to Donald Cerrone. Yes, he did. He looked like a whole weight class lower than him. Yep. Um, yeah, like, because uh, I, I was watching my fiance and she mentioned that, like, are they in the same weight class? But, like, they're supposed to be. Um, <laughs> don't really look like it. But, uh, yeah, like, it. He, 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 McDessey did the best he could in that fight. Um, Absolutely. He wasn't going to win that fight. The, the more skilled fighter was Donald Cerrone. Because um, Donald Cerrone could have took him out and tapped him. Um, at any point, yep. uh, he just decided to stand, uh, trade with him. Um, but he he looked good. Um, he he looked good, and that kick that broke uh, Medesi's jaw, um, that looked like it hurt. <laughs> was it the uh, kick so, or the spinning elbow? I'm, I'm, huh? I heard it was this. Was it was the it what? the kick or the spinning elbow? Because I heard it was the spinning elbow. It to me, it, it might have broke before that. Like he called the timeout. When he got kicked in the face, he got kicked clean in the face, right? And called timeout. Now he might have got caught by that elbow before that, and been uh, had his jaw broke. But like when he got he got kicked clean in the face, like basically in the jaw, and then he called timeout. So I thought it happened from the kick, but it could, it could have happened from you know the the, the elbow. I, you know, maybe that maybe the elbow just uh, you know softened that up a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it did, but. Yeah, man, uh, Donald Cerrone looked really good. Um, I'm interested to see how him, him and Dos Anjos look. Um, they fought not too long ago. Um, it, Dos Anjos won. Um, I don't remember that fight very well. Um, I, I remember seeing it, but I don't remember how it went. I think uh, he I won because won. it was a decision, and Cerrone didn't start early. Like, Cerrone kind of started hitting his stride, and it was too late in the game. Yeah, so... If that's the case, I mean, a five-round fight will be a little bit different. I'm interested to see that, man. Uh, I'm really interested to see um, what that fight looks like, man. Um, Dos Santos, 
hitting on all cylinders right now, and and I, I really want to see what the Donald Cerrone and him fighting now looks like. Well, you know, Khabib, Khabib now has to just take a back seat because it's like, yo, all that shit talking to get the fight, you got injured, you know, now you're talking, you know, you, you clown Anthony Pettis, Anthony Pettis injured. It's like Donald Cerrone's just coasting along. It's like you... You know, as much as UFC matchmakers, sometimes they, they fuck things up. It's like you cannot ignore an eight-fight winning streak. It is impossible. It, Can't he, ignore that. Ninja. I mean, that, that's Steve's only real big issue because it, when he's fought in the cage, he's been dominant. Yep. But he keeps getting hurt. So you can't give him – you can't put him in a title fight if you you know keep being hurt. Personally, when he comes back, if him and Anthony Pettis' timelines line up, I do that fight. Uh, I think Khabib wins that fight, but I do that fight. I mean, these two dudes that have been sniping each other for months. So I, I would think that would be the fight that you would do um, when they both get if they both get healthy around the same time. But yeah, I mean, Khabib, you can't give the dude, you can't give him a title shot if he's going to be hurt all the time. It's just counterproductive. No, I I agree a hundred percent. So let's get into let's get into the the co-main um, Weidman and Vitor. All the shit talking finally out the window. These guys went in there, and um, Chris Weidman did what Chris Weidman does and put uh, Vitor Belfort to sleep. Uh, you know, via TKO punches and elbows in that first round. Um, a couple of things uh, before I get your take on it. Vitor, even going in, had suspect testosterone levels, and I'm like, "Fuck, are you kidding me with this dude?" But the fight still went down, which, you know, we'll, we'll address in a moment. But the fact that that Weidman just looked like a completely different dude out there, it almost, it almost felt like he was Neo fighting Agent Smith because he was, he was flawless in execution. I'm like, yo, I'm like, is this the same dude? And I also like the fact that he was like, yo, can y'all just cheer for me, please? You know, show me some love. Like, like I, I respected that. So, Where'd you stand on the performance, and and what'd you feel about the fight? Um, as far as uh, well, before I get to the fight, uh, uh, let me talk about Vitor. A second. Uh, <laughs> it's funny how different he looks now. Oh yeah, Skeletor uh, <laughs> compared to uh, when he was on the Juice. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he ain't. Uh, I found that amusing. Um, he looks like a, a in shape thirty thirty eight year old man now. Yep. And not uh, Hercules. So. It, that was interesting. Uh, but, uh, yeah, as far as the fight goes, um, it went basically how you would expect a fight like that to go with Vitor. Like, Vitor came out, rushed him, uh, actually cut him. I don't know how badly he hurt him, but uh, he did hit him a couple times. And Chris Wyman weathered that storm, got him down, and that one takedown, that was it. Yep. The one hit the floor, that was it. And uh, he, he beat him pretty badly. I mean, he beat the hell out of Vitor, to be honest with you. Um, so, I mean, I, I think this, I'm happy this fight is out the way. Yep, you and um, me both. Yeah, because, like, there, there's, <laughs> I want to see the Luke Rocco-Chris Wyman fight, and I'm happy that this fight, we no longer have to think about him fighting Vitor. Like, it's over. Yep. No, you and I, you well, and I were both worried going into this because it's like yo if Vitor wins and some funky blood shit or drug shit comes back it's just gonna derail this guy's entire his entire mindset like Weidman's gonna be like yo I lost to this dude that's that's walking around he's a human he's a human chemistry experiment and now it's like all right Vitor you lost that's it and the funny thing was after that 
that, you know, Weidman's like, I don't know who I'll fight next. And everybody's like, well, you should fight Luke Rockhold. And then he's like, yeah, you know, but I think Jacare's the more complete dude. And of course, you know, Luke Rockhold took issue with that. And I'm like, dude, listen, he, he's the champ. He, he's he's going to talk shit about either of his, either one of his opponents. And I actually like the fact that he's doing that because it's adding something something fresh to his character. Like I've and like you and I have said before, this is a guy you should be promoting hardcore. And and they're not, you know. So he has to he has to go out there and promote himself. Now, you know, for 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 Belfort at this point, it's like, yo, you should really should just take that Musasi fight and then just, you know, wrap that up. Personally, I I would I would not be opposed to never seeing Vitor Belfort fight again. <laughs> um, but Damn, that's dude. just me. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm just tired of seeing Vitor Belfort. Like I'm just he's 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 worn he's worn out his welcome with me as an MMA fan. Just his antics, his steroids, it's just all all that stuff around him. Like you can go away now. Like we don't have to see you anymore. I'm sure he won't. Um, but yeah. Um, as far as uh, Rocco's next fight, I mean, not Rocco, uh, Wyman's next fight, I would personally like to see Rocco um, just because I, I kind of feel like these two these two dudes came up around the same time in the sport. They both have developed, not into, they both developed into really good fighters. Right. Um, and I want to see out of the two of them which one's the best. Um, I, I like the way Chris Wyman is going about it because like he, he did this too when Luke Rocco beat uh, Matita. And uh, Danny Cormier was basically cutting <laughs> cutting a promo yep. on the uh, at the desk, and, and Wyman just was like, "I don't think he's good at anything." And and I, I thought that was funny. So yep. um, I, I'm sure he doesn't actually feel that way. Of course, but I, I find it funny that he says it. And uh, I, I think a fight between them would be really. Good. I think it would be a really good fight. The way the way I look at it with this is, I think from a from a from a shit talking build up perspective, I think Rockhold makes good sense. But from a technique perspective, I really I'd like to see Jacare only because Jacare has improved striking and that ground game is out of this world. But obviously from a promotion side, that fight's promotion is not gonna be as as aggressive as Rockhold and Weidman, you know? Yeah, I mean I, I think I think either fight you, I, I feel like you can't really go wrong with either fight. Nope. Because um, I think either fight, you're going to get an extremely competitive, good fight. Um, you know, and honestly, if you want to make Rockhold and uh, Jacare fight for the more contendership, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. No, I'll you take get that. The rematch of the, uh, their fight. Um, so I, I wouldn't even be opposed to that. I don't think they're going to do that, but uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Um, mostly because you don't want to eliminate one challenger. But no. uh, yeah, so I don't I don't know, man. I I, I personally would like to see Rocco. That's just me, um, mostly because I think Rocco has a better chance of actually beating Wyman. I think Jacare is great, but I, I I just don't see him. I don't see him being able to take Wyman down to do his jujitsu to him, or out. And I don't think he can outstrike Wyman. Yeah, so, he can't outstrike. I mean, him. Yeah, Jacare's strike has improved, but I don't think he can outstrike Wyman. And I think he'd have a hell of a time trying to get him down. So uh, I, I think he would have more trouble with uh, Rockhold than he would Wyman. Well, there you have it. I, I like, like you know, going back to what you said before, I, I'd take either fight at this point. You know, like I said, just the Jacare fight, I'd, I'd take only because you know that that would be a ground clinic. But 
the Rockhold fight from a market from a marketability standpoint is just is just aces because you know he's gonna he's gonna talk shit and Weidman's gonna be like, listen, dude, I'll, I'll go in there and cave your chest in, and that'll be it. So you know, I'm willing I'm willing to take that. Um, overall, a really really good fight, which takes us into the main event: Anthony Rumble Johnson, Daniel Cormier squaring off for the vacant light heavyweight title. I was really shocked with the way this turned out, but I also felt that Daniel Cormier needed that decisive victory to erase the uh, the John Jones drubbing that he received. I also appreciated his post-fight commentary because he's like, yo, get your shit together because I got your belt. So uh, really, really solid stuff. Uh, uh, a, a beautiful fight technique-wise uh, for Cormier. I think that that he weathered you know, what Rumble was bringing to the table. And it's funny because some some journalists and a couple of people on Twitter were saying that Anthony Johnson, as soon as he faces, like, real adversity, he doesn't dial it in. He doesn't dig in, you know? And they've talked about some of his previous fights where, you know, he he tapped before, you know, there was real opportunity to do so. And I wanted to bring that to your attention to see what you thought because, you know, it, it, everybody everybody looks at that at those fights a little differently. Where where do you stand on the fight overall, and and what do you think of of people's as opinions? As, as far as him quitting, uh, I didn't see that when I watched the fight. That's just me, because um, even in that last, he tagged him before he got taken out to get choked out. Right, like, he tagged him pretty good. Like he never stopped hitting him. That's true. Um, so I, I felt like Anthony Johnson was trying to win up until the point he lost. Um, that that's just me. I I, I fit. I was. Very rarely do I go with the fighter quit. Now I've seen fighters quit, like Cub Swanson when he fought uh, Frank Edgar. Yeah, quit. Definitely, he, he didn't want to get hit anymore. He, he was like, "I'm done." Um, and you know, but in this fight, I, I really didn't feel like he quit. I kind, I just felt like he, he got choked out. Uh, I feel like he he put he put his best effort forward and he got beat. Um, as far as Daniel Cormier winning this fight, I thought he did a good job. Um, I thought, like you said, he weathered the storm because Anthony Dawson. Johnson hits hard as hell. Yep. Um, like I said, I watched this car with my fiance, and I don't remember what I think she she was, she wasn't watching the TV, but she could she heard Anthony Johnson hit Daniel Cormier. Like you could hear it. Yep. He he hits hard as hell. Um. So I mean, he he's still terrorizing people in the light heavyweight division. Um. So uh. But yeah, Daniel Cormier uh did what he was supposed to do. This is the position he should be in. If John Jones is not champion. Daniel Cormier is the next best fighter. He should be in this position. So, um, you know, that was cool. I did find it funny that some of uh, Daniel Cormier's fans were quoting the, I'm, I'm waiting for John. Like, you, y'all must have forgot what just happened. Yep. But, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of Jones as a fighter. I think he's a shit dude. Yep. <laughs> but I, I'm a fan of Jones as a fighter. Well, you know. You, well, <laughs> you know. a fighter, he just beat him. So, you know, um, I, I I felt for Danny Cormier it was important to say that for all Danny Cormier's fans to be like, oh yeah, he be, he wouldn't beat John. Their fight would probably end up exactly the same. But that's besides the point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Danny Cormier is going to hold on to until John Jones gets back. Danny Cormier is going to have that title. I don't see very many people in the light heavyweight division um, that can do anything to him. Well, let's let let's talk about Ryan Bader and the uh, the. <laughs> <laughs> the hell that un was unleashed at the post fight press conference. And it was funny because everybody's like, 
It's like, man, you know, Can I poor. Say this about Ryan Bader real quick. Go ahead. It's funny that he's like this now because he wasn't talking about a title shot when John Jones had the belt. This it is was, true. It's funny that like John Jones leaves and Ryan Bader's like, this is my chance. Like, no, it's not. Like, it's still going to lose. <laughs> well, you, well, you know <laughs> what's funny? I just found that funny as but. No, 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 what I was going to say is that 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 entire thing broke down, and I just feel that John that John Jones, um, that Daniel Cormier got in touch with his inner heel that entire time. He's like, "Yo, man, shut up! You're not even relevant." I'm like, "Wow!" Like, just like it, it really got to that point where I said, "I said, am I watching Jones Cormier too right now?" Because you know, with Cormier playing the part of John Jones and Ryan Bader playing the part of Daniel Cormier, I was like, "Yo, what is happening?" But the only part, like, I didn't have an issue with him showing up at the press conference, but I found it funny that he was there, stood up and walked over like he was going to do something, and was just yelling, like, dude, like, you would never even be in this position to ask for a title shot if it wasn't for John Jones doing something stupid. Like, <laughs> you're not actually on their level. <laughs> like, like, I agree with Daniel Cormier. Like, I would want to see Ryan Bader. If Ryan Bader wants a title shot so badly, put him up against Anthony Johnson because I think Ryan Bader will get his ass knocked out. Like, Ryan Bader yeah. is not that dude. Like, he's just not that guy. Like, he's a, he's a good fighter. He's just – I mean, hell, you, you want to get in a, a bench pressing competition, I'm sure he can beat you. But as an MMA fighter, he's not – he ain't that guy. Like, <laughs> the, thing, the thing that gets me with this entire – this entire turn of events is the fact that, you know, Dana White made sure to put in there. Well, when John Jones comes back, he'll get an immediate title shot. And I'm like, yeah, I wish he hadn't actually said that. Uh, like, I, I, I kind of wish. But, no, what I was going to say is when I, when I saw it, I said, yeah, but guess what? No one knows when he's coming back. So why would yeah, you, like, why would you put that piece of steak in the piranha tank? You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you yeah, dangle like, that out there like that? Just leave, leave it alone. Like, for me, and Dana White did a couple of things this week that prove, I've said it a million times, he is not equipped for the job he has. Yep. He doesn't know how to handle certain parts of it. He's an excellent promoter. As a commissioner of a sports league, he's not he he's not good at that part. Um there was no reason to say that because right now the face, at least the face you should be putting on publicly is we are about John Jones being rehabilitated. Uh, we're about John you. Jones getting help for whatever issue he has, um, getting this legal issue behind him. And then once all his personal shit is in order, then he can come back to fight. There's no reason one for John Jones. You don't want to, because the way his mind probably works is Soon as this, as soon as I, I get done with this, I'm coming back to fight. Like that's not that shouldn't because I'm gonna get my belt back. That should not be what he. You shouldn't even for him. Yep. You shouldn't put that out there because right now you don't want him even thinking about. It. He needs to get this legal issue taken care of. Probably go to drugs he had and actually stay there. Then you can think about coming back. Don't. There was no reason for him to say that. Like for once, I actually agree with Charles Funny. Like why the hell would you say that? Because now. Basically, nothing has changed for him. Yep. Like, he, he's going to come back. Probably, whoever has the belt, if DC loses the belt, it's definitely going to be whoever has the belt. And if DC has the belt, it'll be another close fight, and he'll probably win that fight again. And then he's just right back there. You don't want to 
I, I won't say like uh, enable him because I don't think they're enabling him, but or at least in this situation they're not. But you don't want to put out for someone like him, like oh, like when you come back, everything goes by right the same. Like no, like he needs to understand. He needs to be put in a position where all he needs to worry about is what's going on in that courtroom. Well, and like, you know, for most legal analysts I've heard talk about it, he's probably not going to jail. Oh no, he's but, not. Yeah, he he, he probably end up doing probably be on probation, have some sort of community service, crap like that. But he he doesn't need to be. He's not coming back in twenty uh twenty fifteen. No, definitely period. not. Period. Like they, he's not coming back in twenty fifteen. Probably won't be coming back in the first half of twenty sixteen. Like he'll, he'll probably be back like you know May of twenty sixteen or something like that. But like y'all don't need to be talking about that. Like. Well, you stripped him of the title. He's no longer the champion. There's right. no reason to talk about him until he gets his stuff together. Well, here's 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 the here's the thing, and there's there's a couple of things, and I'm actually glad you brought up a lot of points because I'm going to play off of them. First of all, Dana White shouldn't be giving John Jones any press. Like that should be his punishment too. Like, yo, dude, you fucked up. You're not even going to be a blip on the radar. Like, yeah, Daniel Cormier shouted you out. That's as far as it should go. The organization should not be acknowledging a guy who is right now on paper a criminal that almost killed a pregnant woman. <laughs> like, like, period. Like, the organization, yeah. like, they should just let the dude rock. And then the problem that I had was that, in a way, Dana White is dangling the carrot. Because what's what you're and what you're doing is you're incentivizing John Jones to quote unquote get his shit together faster than he should because you know for a fact that that title is essentially yours when you come back, and I feel that that is to a degree enabling because if 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 he fucked up, there's no you know Aaron Hernandez is not going to be a starter when he come <laughs> if he were to come back to the Patriots with the shit he did. You know what I mean? John Jones shouldn't even be discussed until he comes back and he shows a willingness and not and not only that he humbles himself to the general public. Cuz it's like, dude, you are a black eye for even the organization. Like even if he comes back, they're going to say, you know, guy guy has drug problems, nearly killed a woman, but that's okay. The number one contendership still applies. With that, you can I won't say finesse around that, but with something like that, once you finish the um, whatever program you've been put in, right. you're probably going to be put in some sort of rehabilitation program. <clears throat> with the media, you can you can spin that into a positive, but right now he shouldn't be talked about because yep. one, you're taking away from Daniel Cormier. You made you didn't say this was an interim title. You said this is the light heavyweight title of our company. That's right. He is your champion now. Period. Point blank. Yep. John Jones was your champion. Yep. You stripped him. If if you if this was the way y'all were thinking, there was no reason to strip him. Right. There was no. You just made this interim title until he came back. But because you decided we're going to strip him, you shouldn't talk about him unless asked. Right. <laughs> like, unless you're asked, you shouldn't be speaking with about him because nobody asked him that. He, he volunteered that information. That's there was right. no reason to volunteer that information. Nope. Let Daniel Cormier have his moment. He wanted to call out he wanted to call out John Jones. That was great. That that was a nice moment. Cool. 
that should have been, like you said, that should have been it. Yep. That should have been it for the John Jones discussion, unless somebody asks you, well, what, what's happening with John Jones? And then your response should have probably been, well, we don't know yet. Well, we'll handle that when he, when everything, when when this personal life is in order, we'll, Correct. we'll handle that then. Even if even even if you already know we're giving them a title shot, you don't yep. say it then. There's no reason to say it right now. There's zero reason. And again, and 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 you know I've mentioned this before. You're showing that you don't have faith in the guys that are going to carry your division when your marquee names are out of the picture. That's what you're showing. You're showing that Daniel Cormier, for all his accolades and all his ability, is essentially a glorified belt warmer. That's what that's what you're saying. You're saying that Daniel Cormier is just keeping a belt warm because you know that he's not the guy that you want as the quote unquote face of your brand. And again, Do you really want John Jones as the face of your brand, though? No. Like- no, no, absolutely. But that's, but, but you got to understand. And this was something that, you know, a, cu- a couple of friends, of, uh, a couple of my friends have said, they're like, Dana White is going to invest his money in the goose that lays the golden eggs right now. And he's going to squeeze the shit out of that goose. till that goose is can, can't shit out any more golden eggs right now. That guy is Conor McGregor. It was John Jones. But when John Jones didn't want to play the game that the UFC wanted him to play, they were like, all right, well, we're going to put all our eggs in the Chael Sonnen basket. And then when Chael got tired of the commission bullshit and he pretty much talked himself out of every opportunity possible, they were like, all right, well, who's next? Who are we going to sink our money into next? Well, what about Ronda? Okay, well, gee, Ronda doesn't even need us at this point. Who's next? Oh, Conor McGregor. Jose Aldo's probably looking at them like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, because again. I will say this, though, that, 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 that commercial that they did. Yep. Excellent. That that was excellent. Um, they should do that more often. Right. Like, if you, if, like, cause it, it gave it a real big fight feel. Uh, I don't I don't know who edited it, but edited it, but it gave it a big fight feel. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 was it was a very epic commercial. Uh, great use of that song. Like, cause like I like like you know in the song the hook of the song is like what's a king to a god and like yep. you know they switch to Jose Aldo when they say a god and got to non believe and they go back to uh, Conor McGregor like I like that little touch in the 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 um the preview yep but they don't do that for everybody that's right and that's not even for Jose that is for Conor that's like, this, is, this is not for the, the god yep <laughs> this is for Conor yep this is this is the only reason this is happening so. Like if if Jose wins, which I think he's going to, but if he wins, what then? Um, it's like what then? Who's next? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like you need, in my opinion, if Jose wins, which I think he's going to, you need to take all that money you were going to give Connor, all that press, and give it to the guy who's the only one who sells your featherweight title. There you go. Like, and honestly, I'm pretty sure he's moving up though after this fight. Like, uh. I saw an interview he did where he's like, I have a special announcement after I win. Pretty sure he's going to say I'm moving up. But regardless, all your eggs should be put in that basket because that's a guy who's proven over time of what he is. Conor McGregor, I think he's a great fighter. I just don't think he's kind of uh, he's he's uh, Jose Aldo. Well, that's the well, that's but that's the exactly it. Picks and chooses. Yeah, the your. Paige Van Zandt. They're putting money in Paige Van Zandt. A girl who cannot be a single woman in the top 10 of their strawweight division. There you go. Period. 
There you she go. She can't beat any of them. But you're putting money in this girl. She literally can't beat any of them. Like it, it's ridiculous. Like their their mindset with this is so warped. And then, you know, you you have the bad pressures coming from fighters straight up saying, like, I'm about to lose a bunch of money because of this Reebok deal. Yep. Which we're gonna talk about ridiculous. that. Ridiculous. Like the U yeah, the UFC is just that that's that's one of the things I'm saying. Like Dana White is not equipped for the harder commissioner stuff. People hate Roger Goodell, but he's a he can he can spin a lot of things to where it doesn't come out sounding he sounds stupid. Dana White doesn't do that. Dana White sounds really dumb a lot. He's not a dumb person. He just sounds like he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about a lot. Well the problem is that Dana White Dana White wants to be Vince. You've watched wrestling enough. You know how Vince is. Vince on the screen and behind the mic are two different guys. Dana White wants to be the same guy behind the mic and in front of the mic. No, that's not how that works. Yep. That's not how this works at all. Nope. And also, what helps Vince is Vince, even though at times he fucks up stuff, he controls the message. Yep, more he controls than, the message. Then, then, uh, yeah, more than you. you can, he cannot let. When Vince picks a guy, for instance, Roman Reigns, when he picks a guy like Roman Reigns to be elevated, he, to an extent, controls that elevation. That's correct. But he already, like, he already has something that can be latched onto. Conor McGregor just talks shit. Now, I guess he's won his fight. But it's a little bit different. You can't build that star because you can't control if he wins or loses. That's right. So you're putting all this money behind him when it doesn't work the same. Because in pro wrestling, if they want Roman Reigns to win, Roman Reigns to win every single title, he will. Yep. It's not the same <laughs> thing, and, and it, it doesn't work that way. It's true. So you can't you can't put all your eggs in a Paige Van Zandt basket when she is not anywhere near the best fighter in her division. You're yep. putting your eggs into this basket like. Like these other women don't matter. That I, I know I bring her up a lot, but it, it irks me like the way they push her, and she's not she ain't ready to be pushed like this. But you don't see when they put up against one of these, these other women. Well, but this is <laughs> but this is what you and I have 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 continuously you know really driven home when we discuss MMA. You know, Jose Aldo should be the guy that's a face of your organization in the country of Brazil. Chris Weidman should be the face of your organization in the U.S. You know, right up there with Ronda, right up there with, with, with Demetrius Johnson. That's what I'm saying. They're champions for a reason. You know, like that's what, that's what you should be doing. I mean, WWE and, and, and this kind of, we'll use this to close things out. WWE knows that John Cena is their Wheaties box. He is the human Wheaties box. You know what I mean? That guy walks out. He's the guy that does press. He's the guy that does Regis and Kelly. He's the guy that does this. In the UFC, it's Ronda, Connor, and that's it. Oh, yeah, whoever's at the Fox Sports 1 desk this week will, you know, will get some love. But when it comes to promoting the organization to a grandiose, large audience, we're going to just send Ronda out there because that's what works. And that's great. But you do have a bunch of other champions. It's like the picture I put up on our fan page when they had all the champions sitting at the cha- at the table. I said I X'd out almost everybody except Jose Aldo. But guess what? Nobody knows who the fuck he is except the real fans. 
Yeah, because they don't <laughs> like even in this fight. It's it's like I said, that is about Connor. Yeah. Like if you like, I I know people who know nothing about him or, or know it sparingly. They know who Conor McGregor is. Yep. They they don't even know he's fight. They don't even think like I know one dude that legit thought he was already the champion <laughs> because then that like he he like I, I was uh like I was like yeah I'm, I'm uh I was like I was waiting for that fight. I was talking to somebody at work. And he was like oh yeah yeah the dude uh, some Brazilian dude was fighting for Conor's belt. I was like Conor's belt. <laughs> the fuck? No, it's it's never been Conor's belt. That's it. There's only been one UFC featherweight champion, Jose Aldo. That that's it. Period. That's like, it. They don't. They they're not doing a good job. I mean, the, the commercial with with the uh, No Trust No Wild song did a good job of illustrating that he is the champion. But I mean, that other promotions didn't because one of them showed Connor holding his belt. Like, there's no picture of Jose with the belt. There's that picture where Connor grabs his belt That's and right. like holding it in the air. So it, the uneducated fans gonna look at that like, oh, he must be the champion. No. <laughs> like it's it's unfortunate. Like the UFC is. I mean, we we said it before. They, That's right. They, no, they, right. they right now the UFC is 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 not getting the best press, and a lot of it is their fault. That's a hundred percent right. So, um, shifting gears and jumping into the um the MMA news, I did want to mention that the UFC is going to try a new reality series that's going to be capped off by a fight between Roy Nelson and Josh Barnett at UFC Fight Night seventy eight. It's going to be titled Road to UFC Japan, and it's going to follow eight Japanese MMA prospects as they compete with, with each other to win a UFC contract. So not Ultimate Fighter Japan is what Ultimate you're Fighter? telling me? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ultimate Fighter Japan? Yep. Oh, okay. That, that's, I, that's what you're I'll, calling I'll it? I'll be watching it as much as I watched it last season. Man. Not at all. Like, I, <laughs> I try, I've tried to watch this season. Not to cut you off. I've tried to watch this season, and I just can't do it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. The the effort and money they put into Ultimate Fighter, they should put into if you it, how how many weeks is Ultimate Fighter? Like not eight, eight, ten weeks. Yep, ten, ten weeks, weeks probably. Yeah, you can do a ten week fight series. That's it. Two or three fights for ten weeks. Take a break. Two, uh, two or three fights, ten weeks, hour and a half show. Like, I don't understand. I the Ultimate Fighter doesn't. There's no purpose anymore. Nope, definitely not. Why? Because everybody's doing MMA now. You got to remember, yeah, Uriah and, and, Hall. Uriah Hall came from Tiger Shulman's MMA, formerly Tiger Shulman's karate. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, and like guys, <laughs> like like when the Ultimate Fighter first existed, for instance, John Jones when he first came in the UFC. When the Ultimate Fighter first was brought into fruition, a fighter like John Jones would be who you would see on there. Right, you know, a, a young guy who, who at, at that time, a young guy who didn't have a lot of training, but was talented, like a Rashad Evans, like a Forrest Griffin. By the time John Jones came to the UFC, all they were doing was just signing those people. That's right. Already and putting them in fights. So then the Ultimate Fighter didn't matter anymore because you're not getting. There's not. You might get one or two really good prospects from the Ultimate Fighter now. Might. Yep. That's it. Sad but don't, true. Don't. The the last one, I mean John Dotson, but John Dotson was a UFC caliber fighter. They just didn't have his weight class. That's right. That was the only reason he wasn't in the UFC. So I, I T J Dillashaw. T J Dillashaw was was that perfect case. He was very young 
and his inmate career and has developed since then. But I don't know, man. It's just, they they need something to try. Yeah, it's just it's just not even worth it at this point. Now, I did I did want to talk about this other fight, which was supposed to be internet an international card, but now has been uh, brought back to the U.S. It's going down in Hollywood, Florida, UFC Fight Night seventy. Lyoto Machida, Yoel Romero. That's going to be a problem. <laughs> That'd be a great fight. I, I'm surprised they're giving Yoel Romero uh, Lyoto, though, because uh, Lyoto's coming off a loss. But that should be a really good fight. Well, the one thing that was weird is that card as a whole looks very solid. Eric Silva and Rick Story also looks like a like it's going to be a, a badass fight, too. Plus, the, uh, the tough Brazil 4... Uh, tournament finals are supposed to be going down on that card. And I'm like, really? There's a tough Brazil going on? You could have fooled me. <laughs> Didn't even, I had no idea that was, now, no idea. <laughs> now, I did want to mention the the Nevada State Athletic Commission put out new super strict guidelines and penalties for drug-related offenses. You're going you're gonna to love this. So for sedatives, muscle relaxants, sleep aids, opiates, and cannabis... Your first offense gets you a nine-month suspension and 20 to 30% of your purse. Your second offense is 12 months and 40 to 50%. Your third offense is two years, 60 to 75% of your purse. And your fourth offense is your entire purse and a lifetime ban. If I were Nick Diaz, I would just say, fuck it and take the L. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. It's worrying about the wrong things. Like <laughs> Nick Diaz like, is gonna do. What about Nick Diaz is gonna do the the beast mode. He's gonna do the beast mode press conference. Like I'm just here so I don't get fired. <laughs> yeah, That's like, how he's gonna do it. Like I, I don't know. The Nevada State Athletic Commission was just worried about the wrong things. Like what? What about steroids? What? Well, I, I don't know. Okay. Well, here's here's the funny thing. Diuretics used to cut weight. Your first offense is a 12 month suspension. 25 to 35% of your purse. Your second offense is a two-year suspension, 40 to 50% of your purse. And a third offense, a third offense, excuse me, is a lifetime ban, 100% of your purse. Now, let me, let me, let me throw this line out there. Stimulants. And in parentheses, it conveniently says amphetamines, and then uh, comma, cocaine, comma, et cetera. Just saying. <laughs> First offense, two-year ban, 35 to 45% of your purse. Second offense is a three-year ban. Third offense is a lifetime ban and a 100% uh, 100 of your purse. Uh, Your first offense being a two-year ban seems a little much. Yeah, they're not (laughs) playing. I mean, I understand you don't want people doing it, but uh, two years? Well, here's... Okay. Well, here's the funny thing. For anabolic steroids, including testosterone and HGH... Your first offense is two years and 40 to 50% of your purse. And your second offense is four years, 60 to 75% of your purse. Yeah. And of course, third offense is lifetime ban. See, I don't mind that for the steroids. Like, I, I don't mind that. Because like, yep. I, I feel like with the steroids, you, you need to be like really, it needs to hurt you seriously. So you don't do it again. Or, or at least it makes people think about it before they do it. But like, for weed and, and, and cocaine, like those, it, <laughs> for, for weed especially, that could be in your system long after you actually did it. Yep. So it, it, it's not, it doesn't really, I won't say, it won't matter at the time of the fight. Like you might've smoked three weeks ago and you come to the fight and they still, they, they still find metabolites in you. 
like, oh, well, you're, you're spending, what, 18 or six months or something like that. Yep. Um, And then cocaine, I mean, now, I will say this with cocaine, if it's still in your system when they test you for a fight, you might have been doing it, like, the day before. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if it's, like, off, if they're, if they're doing, like, random testing, you're not even fighting or you're you're between fights or, or you're in a training camp and they, they can't, like, two years seems like a lot. For like you're eight weeks out from a fight. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, like, it's crazy. honestly, I would think it was stupid. Like, what the hell are you doing? You're eight weeks out from a fight. But like two years, it just seems seems like a lot. But I mean, it's good. It's good that they they're doing that steroids. Well, for avoiding testing, detection, and using a urine sample not of human origin. Um, there's a couple guys that are guilty of that. Um, your first offense is four years and 50% of your purse. And second offense is a lifetime ban, which leads me to the next story, which is that a Nevada judge threw out the lifetime ban. The Nevada state athletic commission put on Vanderlei Silva. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. But if he wants to fight, you got to fight in the UFC. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why he doesn't seem to want to do that. So Yeah, well, odds are they'll either probably they'll 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 keep him tied up contractually until his contract is up so he doesn't jump to like Bellator or World Series of Fighting. But um the UFC is in a really weird predicament because it's like Vanderlei, all he's done is shit on the organization anyway. So it's like you're gonna let this mm-hmm. dude fight? Eh, you know, the organization may be like, yo, fuck this guy. Yeah, they, they, I would be shocked if they don't just sit on that contract. They probably would. I don't know how much long it's on it, but yeah, I'll, I'll be shocked if they just don't sit on a contract and be like, fuck you. But that's all, but that's <laughs> like all right. You can talk all this shit about us, fuck you. That's it. But I'll tell so. you what, maybe maybe that's just because they're, they're, they're saving us from what, what's going to be Kimbo Slice and Vanderlei and Bellator. <laughs> yeah, Bellator would definitely do that. You know they would. But, um, uh, you know, you were mentioning earlier in the show that Dana White's been kind of inserting his foot in his mouth. He um he did an interview with Power 106 in Los Angeles that MMA Fighting shared some details. So the first thing they asked him was, you know, what's going on with the criticism from the fighters about the Reebok deal? And he said, and I quote, the fighters aren't thrilled about it. I don't know, man. These guys don't get it. These guys are short-sighted sometimes. It's good for the industry. It's good for everybody. You have to have a deal like this. Let me tell you what's going on. Our weigh-ins are live on TV. You see some of the underwear these guys wear, guys in like SpongeBob SquarePants underwear. We need to take this thing to the next level and have them all in Reebok gear. Then when asked about certain sponsors, he said some of these sponsors, one guy, I'm not kidding you, NoHo Hangover is one of his sponsors. 1-800-RADIATORS, our all-time favorite, um, Condom Depot, I could go on for days. DNL Deli Market, the Tire Barn. These are some of the sponsors these guys have. Reebok has Reebok has stepped up. These guys have spent a lot of money. They're giving every dime of the money that's coming into the athletes. Lastly, when he was asked about the backlash, he said, "Change, change freaks everybody out. Listen, these guys can all keep their sponsors. They can all have them. They just can't wear them to the cage. That's no different than any other sports organization on earth." NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. It was the next step for the evolution of the sport. It had to be done, but nobody likes change. Now, before 
I get I get your your stance on it. First thing I gotta say is it no whole hangover is probably paying the dude ten thousand dollars for their stupid ass name on the on their trunks versus Reebok's twenty five hundred. One eight hundred radiator is probably dropping twenty five K to get their name on some guy's shorts. <laughs> you know, like like you gotta call a spade a spade too. It's like Dana, I understand where you're coming from, but Reebok ain't paying nobody ten thousand dollars a clip. It's not happening. They they'll go belly up at that rate. No. Yeah, it, it, the amount of money some of these players is about are, are about to lose. Um, it's kind of alarming. Um, like I, I understand for the UFC how this is beneficial. For the individual fighters, it's not at, nope. at all. Like you, you're you're telling a guy like like Brandon Schaub. I mean, he he said he made about a million dollars a fight, which I can actually believe. Like, yeah, because I think he was like by not muscle farm, but uh, some some protein. Because uh, I see it like all the time, like he him on it, and Rob Gronkowski, and uh, some baseball player um, at Walmart. Um, so I can believe he was making about a million a fight off sponsors, just off sponsors. That's right. I can completely believe that. You're telling him he's about to lose more than seventy five percent of that because you signed a deal with Reebok. Like the fighters had no say in this deal. See, this is the difference between the U uh, the UFC and the auto leagues. He said uh, they have a union, so before this could be passed, it would have to go through the players' union. That's right. UFC and MMA don't have a players' union because they're individual contractors. So you're telling individual contractors that they have to work in a certain uniform while individually contracted to you. That it's not the analogy he's trying to make isn't there. This is not a big pro sports league. Um, so I, I just think it, it really, um, <laughs> and and it sucks for the fighters because you, you're losing money. Look. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. If you don't want the guy to be sponsored by Condom Depot, or if you don't want the guy to wear SpongeBob drawers to the weigh-in, then all you gotta say is memo. Listen, guys, you guys can't run this shit. You guys can't come out there with thong, you know, Mickey Mouse drawers or Condom Depot. You know, I know you guys pay the fighters a lot of money. We can't have a relationship with you due to our due to our Fox arrangement or whatever the case may be. The, the fact is that the organization has full control of telling their fighters, hey, you can't you can't go out there wearing, you know, a thong to the weigh-ins or, you know, we really don't think that you have that you should use a tanner and, and, and have the sponsor on your body. Like there's ways to do that shit and still allow these guys to keep individuality. I think one of the things. And Felice Herrick mentioned it, and, you know, it's interesting that she put it out there because for the Wayans, you know, she'd dress up like Chun-Li or whatever, whatever the case may be, and whatever, that was her thing, but it separated her from XYZ fighter. You you know what I mean? Like, there's certain things, like, you're taking away yeah. that individuality because you want everybody to wear Reebok. You could have just as easily had Reebok be the main sponsor, but you could have said, listen, Reebok's going to be on the back of everyone's trunks, and Reebok's going to be on every woman's sports bra for the fight, and you're going to have a space for two additional sponsors. They can't be X, Y, and Z. Because at the end of the day, the big sponsorship that matters, 
is is the one on the back of the fucking trunks or the one on the front of the trunks. You could have said, yo, uh, Reebok gets the back of the front. Your sponsors can get a left leg or a right leg. And that would have been it. And then you would have just said list of sponsors that we that you can't use. And that would have been that. Yeah, they could have easily done that. But they, they, they wanted to go full out the Reebok deals. I'm sure some of these fighters will keep some of their sponsors out there. <laughs> Excuse me. Outside of cage, but it just sucks that they're about a lot of guys are just about to lose a lot of money. And then, you know, Dana White's like, oh, well, you know, they could keep whatever sponsor they want, just, you know, at the weigh-ins or at any event. It's like, yo, half of the events that these fighters go to, y'all send them there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you guys sent, like, I understand, like, the Arnold Classic or, you know, certain signings at, like, GNC and shit like that that these fighters, they, they get put together, and that's great. But the the UFC Expo... That's you guys. Like I read, I read something from um, from Fight Chicks, which I, I'm sure you've seen, and their application mm-hmm. to have a booth at the UFC Fan Expo was denied because they were like, "Oh, Reebok is our is our apparel sponsor, and you know, um, is it Muscle Farm? I think Muscle Farm is the supplement sponsor for the event." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, what the hell?" So other companies can't even show off their shit at the fan expo because of this Reebok deal. Basically. <laughs> it's gotten that bad. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the backlash from this is going to cause some sort of reform uh, with what they're, they're doing with the, uh, re reassessing how they're going to run the Reebok deal. But it, like I said, it just it it sucks that it takes this much complaint. It, it sucks that they didn't like if they had explained it better to the fighters, maybe there would have been more backlash earlier, and, and it'd be easier uh, for the fighters to uh, to explain. But well, I just got I just got an interesting comment via text uh, from from a good friend of mine. He put he says code of conduct and conflict of interest all fall under the umbrella of the contract that the fighters sign with whatever organization they work for. And, you know, he does, he does have a point. It's like, yo, when you signed it, you signed up for the whole kit and caboodle. Now, with that said, and, and, and taking what you said to a degree, I do feel that the structuring of that Reebok deal being made public made things worse than they were. Because I'm sure that if it would have yeah. been closed door and, that, and those numbers wouldn't have got out, certain dudes would have had their contracts adjusted to ensure that it's not that bad. But the problem was in the era of social media and the era of pissed off fighters, dudes were like, well, here are the numbers. And everybody's like, Oh shit. And that just really did not help the situation either. But taking, taking what was just said in the text I got, it's like, they did sign a contract. <laughs> can't, can't even. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. It just, I, I got that contract uh, referred to this, but, I don't know. Maybe, hopefully, like 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 we're both saying, hopefully there's some sort of reformation of the deal to, to get the fighters more money. Well, odds are they're all going to start when their contracts are up. They're going to start renegotiating for higher tiers off the off the jump. Not only that, but other companies are leveraging the bad press of the UFC to get these guys. You know, RFA, World yeah. Series of Fighting, Bellator. They're like, hey, you can wear whatever the fuck you want. You want to wear Condom Depot? You want to wear Home Depot? Whatever the hell you want, knock yourselves out. 
and that's actually being used as a as a selling point, which is insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw I saw the interview Scott Copley uh, said about it, like uh, his song blowing up. Like that does not surprise me one bit. Nope, no, it doesn't. The the last uh, two things I wanted to wrap up with were uh, the UFC uh, surprised Boss Rutan with a Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he's going to be inducted into the Pioneers era um, Hall of Fame wing from the UFC. And I think that that was, that was really cool. It, I always feel that Boss Rutan, for all the contributions he had to the sport, everybody just looks at him as, you know, the guy on Inside MMA. And nobody realizes that this was a guy who was killing people with liver kicks like it was nobody's business. So to finally see him get that opportunity to go in there, you know, Dana White surprising him was kind of cool. And I'm like, you know what? If anybody deserves to be there, it's definitely boss. Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool too. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was really cool that he, he, excuse me, he, he, he finally got put in the hall of fame. Um, he deserved it. Well, you know what was funny? Matt Hughes's fight with um, Frank Trigg is going in for a Hall of Fame fight. This actually makes Matt Hughes a two-time Hall of Famer and also puts Frank Trigg in there, which is a little crazy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't put Frank Trigg in my <laughs> Hall of Fame. But, uh, I mean, considering you know all the stuff you got going on with John Jones, do you really want to put Frank Trigg in your Hall of Fame since he's out here? choking out his wife but <laughs> well hey. you know what the out the out there is that they're putting the fight in so it's it's only him <laughs> going in because of the fight again that that's all about that spin move that you and i talked about earlier the other not shocking <laughs> entry is um bj penn which you know that guy that guy's first ballot all the way yeah um that one didn't surprise me it surprised me how early i guess but then I remember, like he's probably never fighting again. Yeah, hell no. So um, he he deserved to be in it. I mean, this guy, you know, he won championship in two divisions. Uh, if it if not for his pension for fighting five six classes uh, above the weight he should have been fighting, he, he might have retired with a far better record. I mean, BJ Penn is one of the best, most talented fighters to ever fight. Yeah, it's it's crazy, you know the. The, the fact that, that he that he jumped around so much, but he, you know, you could put him in just as a fighter, but I also feel that as as uh, an ambassador for Hawaiian MMA, he put that on the map, you know? Like, he made Hawaii a force when it came to MMA because you saw more and more MMA gyms started popping up, more and more support on the island for the sport. Other, a lot of great fighters started coming out of Hawaii consistently, that just that just shows, you know, that he wasn't just the guy that came out of there and made a name for himself, but he made a name for for the region with regards to some of the fighters that were coming out of there. He did, he did. Uh, he he was he was probably the, he was the first big Hawaiian fighter that came out, and and he made a he made a way for a lot of guys. I mean, we wouldn't have a Max Holloway uh, without a BJ Penn. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he he deserves it. Just, just not only off his him being a fighter, but as also as a pioneer. Absolutely. So definitely, uh, you know, props, props to those guys going in there. Um, we do got a fight card this weekend, UFC Fight Night 60, uh, 67, um, taking place in Brazil mm-hmm. this Saturday. Tiago Alves, Carlos Condit is your main event. 
A uh, couple of solid fights on that card as well. Uh, Nick Lentz, Charles Oliveira, KJ Nunes, and Alex Oliveira. Um, then on the prelims, you got a couple of decent fights too. Plus, uh, you got fight pass prelims um, earlier in the day as well. Overall, not a not a crazy, crazy card, but I've, I'm starting to really not dismiss these cards that don't have, you know, five marquee fights because sometimes they end up stealing the show overall. Um, definitely pumped for this Diago yeah. Alves, Carlos Condit fight. I think those guys are going to go in there and give us an amazing performance, and that fight could go either way. Yeah, yeah. I'm, that That's a fight I'm really, really excited for because, I mean, those two dudes um, – I mean, I, I wish it had been more at Tiago Alvarez's peak, um, and and also I, I, I want to see how Carlos Condit looks after coming off. It's been over a year, yep. having an ACL tear and having to rehab that. So I, I want to see how he, he looks coming off that. Yeah, I, I think that fight is going to be, like I said, um, the you know the the fight that'll steal the show. I am I am a little excited to see KJ Nunes and Alex Oliveira. I think that's also going to be a fight that's a dark horse fight, and. Um, I think I think KJ News is trying to get back on people's radar, and I think Oliveira is going to give him quite the challenge. Yeah, I, was, I didn't even know KJ News was still signed with the UFC. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, so I think I think it, I think it'll be a good fight, though. Um, you know, KJ News. I mean, despite um, not ever living up to his potential, um, he's still an exciting fighter. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how that fight goes. Yeah, definitely, and like I said. The um, prelims are Fox Sports 1 at 8. The Fight Pass card starts at 7. And the main card is going to be at 10 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. With that, that's actually going to wrap up the MMA for this week. Um, We got a Black is the New Black coming this week, right? Uh, Yes, yes. Well, I'll probably uh, do one Saturday, and I have a Sunday, probably Sunday or Monday morning. There you go. We got one coming this week. There you go. So a brand new Black is the New Black is heading your way. Plus, we have one um, waiting to be uploaded. Plus, uh, Ben and Taylor will be joining me for our entertainment edition tomorrow. We're going to be talking about some of the summer movies and some of the other entertainment news for the week. Uh, Last but not least, of course, you can find Ben on Twitter at Blackout89 and um, look for him, Benjamin Anderson, on Facebook. And make sure to tune in to Black is the New Black on RageWorks.net, and also look for it on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Anything else you wanted to add? Yep. Nope, man. Um, I'll be right back on you tomorrow, so nope. There you go. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right, man. Peace. Peace. There you go. That was our very own Ben closing out our MMA segment for this week. Again, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89, blaq O-U-T, the number eight, the number nine. Uh, Black is the New Black can be found on the My Take Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. You can also find episodes on RageWorks.net as well. All right, we're going to keep this ball rolling, and we are going to head into this week's wrestling. Booker T, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! As always, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWE Shop. 
www.wwe.com. Of course, that is the real WWE shop. No bullshit here, folks. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Of course, you can find banners for other coupon codes on RageWorks.net. Of course, if you click any of those banners, small proceed of the purchase goes to us and helps us continue to improve the show, the site, and everything else that we offer for you, the listener and the viewer. So let's jump into it this week with Monday Night Raw. This was the final Raw before the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, which goes down this Sunday, as always. And I've been experimenting with it for the last couple of weeks. I'm going to talk about the rights the wrongs and the what the fuck moments from Monday night raw this past Monday. So first thing I want to talk about is, and this was something that really got my attention. It was the elevation of Dean Ambrose as a quote unquote bona fide main eventer. Now I feel that this was, this has been executed well thus far. As I said last week, the fates of Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose are, are pretty much, synonymous they will be linked together forever only because the chemistry between them is leaps and bounds ahead of the chemistry between i don't know roman reigns and seth rollins and i say this because both of these guys when they're together whether it's cutting a promo or in a in a match a one-on-one match you always see that there's something special playing out in every one of those matches and the reason i say this is because We've talked about these these guys with these storied rivalries, whether it's Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, um, The Rock and Triple H. These guys, their relationships are 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 pretty much uh, merged together at the start of their careers. There's certain guys that when you watch them wrestle, you see that hey, this guy and this guy are going to continue to deliver matches forever. We're seeing this with. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, a.k.a. Kevin Steen and El Generico. Those are two guys who they're, they delivered magic and ring of honor. It's carried over to NXT and it's carrying over to the WWE product as a whole. The same thing can be said for Ambrose and Rollins. For as much as people want Roman Reigns to be the guy, the next guy, the fact is that Ambrose and Rollins, they just, they just have that magic that works both from a wrestling perspective, but also from a, a storytelling perspective. And the opening segment for, for Raw, even though it took 20 fucking minutes, was it had really, really good chemistry between both guys. As for the tag match between Ambrose and Reigns and Rollins and Kane, again, it, it was a means to an end. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. I, you know, I, I just felt that we could have we done more to push Dean Ambrose, maybe have him in a, in a non-title situation with Seth Rollins or even put him and Roman Reigns in a match together versus the typical tag team formula that builds up every pay-per-view. It's something that, that's become academic at this point, and to continue to, to use that as a crutch is doing neither guy any favors. Now... For every right, there is a wrong. I do want to talk about Rusev and R-Truth because I felt that Rusev now being billed as being from Bulgaria and no longer representing Russia after his um, after the, the implosion of his relationship with Lana, I think it's, it's good that you're trying to really focus your energies on getting Rusev over without Lana. But the problem is that if you invest too much energy 
into this whole breakup, you're going to lose any momentum that you've had with Rusev because Rusev is a credible wrestler. He's not terrible. His mic work is actually pretty good. Uh, you know, when he's not doing the over-the-top, super over-pronounced Russian accent, he does cut a very good promo. While I do understand that it's a means to an end with, with him and Dolph Ziggler, I do feel that taking R-Truth, who's a solid wrestler and is going to be in the Elimination Chamber with Rusev, and essentially having a squash match is, is, is doing neither guy any favors. Number one, because Rusev is, is a guaranteed win. Number two, having, having Truth pretty much get decimated is, is making his involvement in the Elimination Chamber seem pointless. And, and while I understand, you know, he was in the ladder match, he's a good worker, etc. Having him go out there and get squashed by Rusev definitely is a wrong in my book this week. Now, I did, I did feel that Barrett and King Ryback, uh, King Ryback, King Barrett and Ryback were, um, they really had good chemistry. And again, they are participants in the chamber this coming, this coming Sunday. And while their match was good, I did feel that the, there should there should not have been a clean pin from Ryback in this situation. While it's easy to see that as an indicator that Ryback is a strong contender to win the belt this weekend, I felt that if you're doing these matches, you got to go with tag team or anything else because giving anyone a clean pin, especially one that's so decisive, is is doing no one any favors. Much like I said with Rusev and Our Truth, yes, they're in the chamber, but there's no necessity to squash Our Truth even though he's a participant, because again, we all know wrestling is fucking fake. But when you look at some of these guys, you know that those guys are getting nowhere near the belt. You want to keep an air of mystery. You know, you put these guys in tag matches or whatever the case may be, nothing, nothing concrete, because again, you hurt the momentum of these guys going into the chamber. Anybody that thinks that Wade Barrett may win this Sunday, sure, he might, but you're making it look a lot more like Ryback is going to be the guy, which I really don't think is going to be the case either. Now, another right is the exchange between Stardust and Arrow's Stephen Amell. Stephen Amell has been very vocal on social media about doing something with the WWE, and this past, uh, this past Monday's show at Nassau Coliseum really showed that there's definitely potential there for something special. Uh, doing it with Stardust was good because Stardust, he has really great presence and he he would be the guy to interact with a celebrity in such a crazy way. Um, I really am digging Stardust, uh, Mr. Sinister Cape. And I also feel that he is trying to look like Mr. Sinister because if you look, he has the gem on his forehead, much like Mr. Sinister has in the, in the Marvel books. Uh, the only thing is, obviously, it could just be coincidental but I think it's really good for his look overall. As to where it goes with Stephen Amell at this point, who knows? But Stephen Amell is riding a huge wave of momentum with the success of Arrow and his portrayal of Casey Jones in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 that utilizing him in the WWE in, in some small capacity would be good for both parties. I think that the, the angle itself was well-crafted. The uh, post-match promo from Stardust was equally good and I think it's 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 going to be a beneficial relationship for all parties involved. Now, on the on the flip side, 
the entourage involvement, while it was good to get Zack Ryder out there, I'll be honest, nobody gave a fuck about that movie. Nobody. The only relevant cheer that that the entourage cast got was because they introduced Zack Ryder to challenge for John Cena's U.S. title, which I have to put in the right category as something that was executed with perfection for a couple of reasons. Number one, this was the final Raw at Nassau Coliseum. Zack Ryder is a Long Island native. And third and most important, John Cena continues to make these guys look good in all their matches. Yes, it is a foregone conclusion that John Cena is going to win, especially during Memorial Day. But letting Zack Ryder go out there, get some good, good, good offense in, and above all, even let him go for a 450 splash, which was amazing, really showed that that they really wanted to do something special for, you know, for the Long Island crowd. And it was cool. We all knew that Zack Ryder wasn't going to win, but at least he was not squashed in in typical Zack Ryder fashion. Also, got to put in the right category. Kevin Owens coming out there, leaving John Cena laying laying once again for the second week in a row. Continues to give people um, a, a big question mark with regards to the outcome for this weekend. Because you, you'd automatically think that John Cena would win this match. But given that the U.S. title is not on the line for this match, I think that John Cena is probably going to do the right thing and put Kevin Owens over which I think is the right thing to do because this is a guy whose who's charisma, whose talent is really making waves for your NXT brand. And for him to come up as the young upstart and really take the fight to John Cena, even if you end it in a DQ or a stretcher job, but you continue to make Owens look strong, what that does is that that energy and that momentum is going to translate from that pay-per-view to the NXT brand. And it's going to show that NXT isn't just... In really good indie guys getting an opportunity on the main stage, but bona fide superstars in the making that have the tools and the credentials to be the face of your organization for the future. And I think that that's what the one of the biggest things going on right now is the fact that a guy like Kevin Owens or a guy like Sami Zayn is getting an opportunity against, you know, a, a bona fide Hall of Famer in John Cena, and they're not getting squashed. I think that entire execution from Zack Ryder's involvement to Kevin Owens delivering the pop-up powerbomb to John Cena, all of that was perfectly well executed and honestly was one of the higher points of the evening. Now, I do want to say, and this is one of the things that really, really gets me, is that we've been talking about Divas matches on NXT, on TNA, and even on Raw, and we do, and, and I've said before that the Raw Divas currently active, while most of them have the, the potential to deliver good matches, you definitely see when certain Divas just are not ready. And once again, Tamina makes it on the wrong side of Raw this week with her performance against Paige. And the reason I say this is because Paige is a, is a good worker, she did really good work in NXT, and I think that after they changed her moveset, when she came up to Raw, it kind of regressed her character. But putting her in there with Tamina and essentially putting in a, a good worker that, that's not a ring general, in essence made 
Tamina look worse than she already is. Now, you're probably saying, Rich, that makes no sense. Let me explain. When you take, when you're a wrestler who can dictate the pace of the match and make any of your opponents look equally good, whether you're winning or losing, that's what I mean by the term ring general. People have used that term for wrestlers like Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock to a degree, because for as good as The Rock was, he was as good as his opponents made him out to be. Uh, The same thing could be said for Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, you know, a lot of these more technical, uh, technically proficient guys or guys that really understood the ins and outs of professional wrestling, those were ring generals. When you look at the divas or when you look at women's wrestling, there's very there's a handful of women that fall under that category. AJ, you know, now retired from WWE, falls in that category. Um, I would like to say Gail Kim and TNA falls in that category. Awesome Kong falls in that category. Eva Lee and Lucha Underground falls in that category. These are people that can push the, push the pace in a match and really, really make themselves and their opponents look equally good. When you look at the at the divas on the Raw roster, I I'd like to say that Natalia falls in that category. Um, I do want to say that Naomi's on her way, but not quite there. And um, you know, AJ when she was there, and maybe to a degree, and it's to a very very small degree. I'd like to say Nikki Bella because she is champion of that division, but. Again, they're not at that stage where they can carry even the most lackluster wrestlers to a decent match. And Paige, unfortunately, could do nothing to make to, to make Tamina look good. And I said this last week, send Tamina down to NXT, let her work with the Divas down there, let her work with Charlotte and Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Bayley um, and Alexa Bliss and the rest of these these ladies down there. And and let her reestablish, let her, you know, cultivate her skills and let her improve versus just throwing her out to the wolves on Raw. Because what you're doing is you're taking the 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 character that's supposed to be, you know, the enforcer. And yes, she can she can get involved in matches and she can enforce all she wants. But the minute you put her in a match, her lack of her lack of any real technique truly shows. And again, that's not to say that Tamina's a shitty wrestler, but the fact is that you're not going out there and even having a passable match. You're not. I hate to say it, but she's definitely she was definitely on the wrong side of um, the the WWE breakdown this week. Um, Kane decided to set up a uh, a multi man ta- handicap match for the New Day, which essentially served as getting over the tag team elimination chamber match this Sunday. And I actually felt that that was one of the high points of the broadcast. And the reason I say that is because while it was a little disjointed and a little crazy, we got to really connect with all the teams and everybody hates the new day at this point. And you know, that that means that they're doing their job. But the fact is that a team like the primetime players or the Lucha dragons got an opportunity to get out there and show us a little more than usual, which as of late has been pretty much non-existent. I feel that the Lucha Dragons since coming up and 
solidifying themselves on the Raw roster as a good tag team have not done much of anything. You know, they, they just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Um, the Ascension, they came up from NXT and they pretty much regressed. Everyone hates them. Everyone. Uh, the the Axelmania and Macho Mandow team that was created, while it is a good a good comedy team, they're really not doing anything of note with them yet. So the teams that are involved in the Tag Team Elimination Chamber match are all great teams and are all teams that can be a cornerstone for the tag team division. Whether that is the case this Sunday remains to be seen. Now, the other high point that I did want to address was the end of Raw. As, as, as many of you may have seen on Monday night, Raw, Raw had the typical superstar gets arrested segment, which we all knew was going to end with at 10.57, Dean Ambrose showing up and signing the contract. And sure as shit, that's exactly what happened. Now, for, for, for myself, being a, a wrestling fan for, for many years, sometimes there's certain things that are, that, are, that are little that stick out to me in terms of continuity. In this case, Dean Ambrose being arrested. The reason I say this is because Raw was in Nassau Coliseum, and in turn, the, the police in the area would have been Nassau County Police. Now, amuse, as, um, as amusing as it was, Dean Ambrose coming back in an NYPD paddy wagon, um, while I understand that it was a, just a great way to get that out there, from, from, a, from a continuity perspective, you know, Dean Ambrose should have been arrested by Nassau County Police. And it would have just, just looked the part, you know? Just, again, little touches... Nothing big, but for me as a wrestling fan and, you know, someone local to the area, there's certain little things you just, you just want to see. Like Dean Ambrose getting arrested in Madison Square Garden, sure. Gets arrested in Madison Square Garden, gets arrested by NYPD, makes perfect sense. Gets arrested as the bar, at the Barkley, NYPD there. Gets arrested in Long Island, Nassau County Police Department, because that's what's in the area. Or... You know, even even if you would have used something, something like that, again, not something it's not big. And I'm not saying this because I'm being, you know, overly critical of the product, but it's something that I've that I've said before. Little touches, little hints of realism can do wonders for the product. I've I've talked about this and, you know, there used to be a column a few years back on on 411 Mania, which used to be 411 Wrestling dot com. And it was called The Little Things. And it acknowledged those little touches from the wrestler selling a beating from last week and not doing a certain move to, um, you know, a wrestler cutting a promo about something that happened six months ago. You know, things like that. They're not big things, but those little touches really bring it home. A good example of a subtle little thing was Adrian Neville not being able to execute you know, some of his top rope offense because he was selling the knee injury. Again, not mandatory, not great, but something that from a story from a storytelling perspective really was well done. The continued focus on the knee going into the pay-per-view. Again, well done. I'm not I'm not feeling the match between him and Bo Dallas because as much as I like Adrian Neville, I do feel that Bo Dallas has no upside. 
I don't know if it's the gimmick, but I just I just don't see anything about his persona or or him as a wrestler that jumps out as a guy that's going to entertain me every week. So that's why I didn't really cite that match in in a right or a wrong. But I did want to again acknowledge that subtle that subtle little thing that while it wasn't something big to the average viewer, for those of you that that are familiar with New York City or Long Island, you guys know the deal. You're going to be like, wait a minute, what the fuck? Again, I understand why they did it, and it's fine, but it's just a little nuance that that sticks out for me being a fan. So overall, the Raw going into Elimination Chamber was solid. It wasn't great, but again, we're not talking about a, a pay-per-view that's costing us $60. This is a WWE Network exclusive event, meaning... It's 10 bucks. You watch it or you don't. And I'll be honest, on paper, three matches jump out that are going to be tremendous. The Tag Team Elimination Chamber match, the IC Title Elimination Chamber match, and John Cena versus Kevin Owens. Those three matches alone, for me personally, are enough to get me to watch that special event this Sunday. For those of you that have other matches in mind, feel free to share them either in the chat room or social media. Definitely would like to know what matches you're looking forward to, but for me, tag team, IC title, Owens and Cena. Simple as that. Speaking of which, I did get to catch, I did have the opportunity to watch NXT before we came on air. I didn't get to see Lucha Underground. And I have to say that one of of the high points for me once again is the continued push of Kevin Owens as a legitimate threat, Um, him opening up the broadcast and setting up a match with Solomon Crow later on this evening definitely was one of the rights. Um, Bailey and Emma with Dana Brooke being involved um, overall, a good match. I really liked what they've done with Emma as a heel. I do feel that Dana Brooke is, yeah. (laughs) yeah, she needs a lot of work. But um, I like where it's going. I think that Bailey and Emma are gonna are, are two are two stars are two ladies that are gonna give us good matches for the foreseeable future. And again, if Emma could go up to the main roster, not not succeed, come down to NXT and essentially get a a, a gimmick repackaging and and be successful, why can't Tamina have the same thing done for her character? If they could do it with Emma. Why can't they do it with Tamina? The other high point, which um, I did want to talk about, was Finn Balor and Ty Dillinger. Um, uh, It was pretty much a match that was put out there to put Finn Balor over, which is good considering that he's still riding that wave of momentum from the NXT TakeOver show. I had no problems with the match. I understand that there has to be a place for these type of matches. And... um, you know, it, 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 it served its purpose. Meanwhile, Blake and Murphy, uh, team NXT High Voltage, just um, riding the wave of their successful tag team title defense from Unstoppable, along with their newly added valet, Alexa Bliss. I, I understand where they're going. I understand that they're trying to make these guys relevant. I personally just feel that they suck. Um Again, they don't suck because of their wrestling ability. Their wrestling ability is fine. 
their gimmick sucks. Why? Because they really essentially have no gimmick. I understand that you're going to put Alexa Bliss with them and that's going to work because she's cute and perky and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But in the grand scheme of things, Blake and Murphy, you know, NXT high voltage, you guys need need something more than than a pretty face to get over. Again, that's my opinion. Um, as for how it closed out with, um, you know, Owens and, and the continued... Uh, involvement from Samoa Joe. I think I think it's a good way to get Samoa Joe really, really ingrained into the NXT landscape. I don't feel that that he needs a title match even right now. I think that just building up the the potential match between him and Kevin Owens is enough to wet most appetites. As for the match itself, I'm sure it's going to be hard hitting, but technically sound to a degree. I think it's it's a good way to utilize Samoa Joe with a guy who has a style that's comparable to him. Overall, NXT for a post for a post NXT event show was pretty good. A lot of angle advancement, a lot of setup, and you know the last couple of weeks of NXT have been taped. So I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the role of spoiler for a moment and tell you guys that Samoa Joe probably won't have a match for at minimum two weeks, maybe three. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to tell you who he has a match with, but for those of you looking forward to seeing uh, Samoa Joe in there with, within the next week or so, don't hold your breath. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, NXT was solid. Let's get into the other wrestling news of the week and wrap things up. So, Wrestling-wise, I, I do want to talk about an interesting uh, interesting angle that was put out by Kevin Nash. Now, we all know that the WWE Network has done a, a tremendous job with a lot of its original programming. Um, I also feel that ESPN's uh, E60 special on WWE was amazing. So, Kevin Nash actually proposed an interesting way to retire. Of all things, he um, he wants to do a real retirement match and build it up on the network using a style similar to HBO's 24 seven with with um, the network following him training and preparing for this match against this, you know, this big opponent. And it would be a special gift wrapped in the same style as a 24 seven special. And I actually think it's a really, really good idea. I think a guy like Kevin Nash, who who still who still has, you know, a, a decent look and his ring work, it's not magnificent. It's not stellar, but it gets the job done. I think that giving him a proper send off would make for an amazing story. And just following his career, you know, him training his uh, his relationship with his family, how he approaches matches, how matches are set up. It would be an interesting look at the business. Plus. It would give WWE that really, really unique special programming that that set it apart from everyone else in the beginning. Like a lot of WWE's original content on the network isn't terrible, but they really need to start cultivating things that really want that really force people to invest. Um, Doing the elimination chamber only on the network is the right way to go. Doing NXT on the network again. It's the right way to go. 
Now, doing things like the E60, the 24-7 special, things of that nature, they they don't need to be done all the time, but I think you have enough superstars and personalities that doing those 24-7 specials really, really work. For instance, Kevin Nash proposing that, tremendous. Um, doing something like that, following a guy like, I don't know, Brock Lesnar, uh, a Brock Lesnar 24-7 special just to see how he lives why he's the isolated individual that he is, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's it's really, really interesting. And it would, again, create something unique for wrestling fans that would allow them to connect with superstars on a different level. The same way that, like I said, the Roman Reigns special that they did, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Just things like that. That special followed, you know, Roman Reigns as he was getting ready for his WrestleMania match, et cetera, et cetera. It followed, you know, his his excitement, his disappointment. It was all, it was, it was really, really well done. Again, I do feel that ESPN's E60 special was better, but I think WWE can take something away from that and really make it their own. And I think that Kevin Nash's suggestion, not to mention his desire to retire courtesy of the WWE. Yes, we know that Nash is in it for the money and for himself, but to tell that story and allow people to connect with him, not just as, you know, big sexy or diesel or, you know, half of the wolf pack or a member of the NWO, but just as a guy who is ready to retire, I think it's an engaging and intriguing story, especially if you make his opponent a guy who who's who's deserving of the quote unquote rub, you know, a guy that could be um a good foil for a for a guy like Kevin Nash. I think the concept is sound. And I think Kevin Nash is definitely on to something. Will the WWE listen and try it? That remains to be seen. So while we are on the subject of NXT, I did want to update you guys. Sami Zayn is getting uh, rotator cuff surgery. Um, he will be out roughly six months. I've heard four to six. I've heard six to eight. Um, let's just go with the, with the uh, middle ground and go with six months. Uh, he, this is an injury that he's been that he's been dealing with since coming into the WWE, and he's aggravated it a couple of times already. Obviously, the last time being against John Cena, and I think this is a, a good opportunity to utilize the injury to not only get it fixed once and for all, but also to leverage it to get over Kevin Owens. Which again, that's that's the name of the game. That's what we're going for, and I think it's a good idea. It's definitely something that. Um, that really works. And again, it's it's unfortunate that Zayn won't be here for a couple of months, but I think NXT has a deep enough roster that you can you can build someone new in his absence. The other guy who was on the injured list who we saw do an update was Hideo Itami, which um also out with a rotator cuff injury. And I did want to mention that Hideo Itami's rotator cuff injury and having him on the shelf, while unfortunate hopefully will allow the WWE to get him someone to teach him or help him improve his English. And the reason I say this is because he said that he was attacked in a parking walk, not a parking lot, but a parking lot. And I'm like, listen, I understand, you know, it's very easy to do the typical Asian stereotype gag. I'm not going to do it because the guy pretty much walked into it himself. But again, we knew that Hideo Itami coming in did not have a strong, strong command of the English language. 
Yep, that's exactly what was said, Slick. I kid you not. <laughs> parking Watt is exactly what he said. Oh, I was attacked in the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, man. And I, and I, you know, I, I hit rewind and I'm like, he really just said that. And, um, you know, it was, it was pre-taped and I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, they probably heard it and everybody had a good chuckle. But the reason I wanted to bring it up while talking about Sami Zayn's injury is because him and Tommy are out for the same injury for the same reason. Zayn's injury can be utilized for the point of getting Kevin Owens over Hideo Itami, a guy who has such an amazing background, tremendous pedigree, and is his crutch is the English language. At this time, while he's out, you should take that opportunity to the opportunity to help him improve his command of the language so that, um, you know, he doesn't come out and say, you know, parking lot. I was attacked in the parking lot because, it, again, funny as it may be, that's not the type of thing you want associated with one of the guys who you're building as a marquee talent. You know, that was funny back during the Attitude Era where we had Kai and Tai and Takamichinoku and Funaki and Indeed and all the all the really, really blatant uh, Asian, stere- <clears throat> excuse me, Asian stereotypes that were at play. Definitely not the move. And um, again, Hideo Itami's been doing, you know, he's been making a, a, a strong, a strong case as a future main eventer. A very, very strong case. Again, he connects with the audience. He has a great move set. But if you don't help him improve his English, he what do you, unless you give him a manager, it's gonna be something that's gonna hurt his career in the long term. I hate to say it, but it's fucking true. Anyway, let's talk about the big news. The 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 news that has the internet up in arms and in a tizzy. It is what is essentially being called the res the, the Wednesday night wrestling wars. And the reason that that it's being called that is because Destination America sent out a press release today that Ring of Honor will be heading to Destination America Wednesdays at 8 p.m. starting in June as a lead-in for TNA Impact. So just for just for for shits and giggles, I want you guys to to to, th- to think about this. This is essentially the USA Network putting WCW on before Monday Night Raw. Or, or putting Raw before uh, Monday Nitro, depending on how you look at it. So, Wednesday nights is going to shape up as follows. On Destination America, you will have Ring of Honor, then TNA Impact, plus Lucha Underground, plus NXT. So, Wednesday nights is going to be the night for wrestling. Now, many people thought that the announcement of Ring of Honor coming to the network was signaling the the demise of TNA. Now, the thing that gets me with that is that the, you know, TNA is going to still be on the network, but Destination America brought in Ring of Honor as the lead-in. This just shows me that they have zero belief in TNA on the product, as a product, excuse me. They have zero belief in TNA as a product, and they know that Ring of Honor is an upstart company with great talent that has passionate fans that are going to tune into this network that nobody gives a shit about because all they give is ghost hunters and a bunch of other shit that no one cares about to, in essence, build up an audience for a product that they've invested a shit ton of money in, 
that being TNA Impact. For me personally, I don't want to use this as, you know, a harbinger of the apocalypse for TNA. On the contrary, TNA can leverage this as a good opportunity to build something unique and something special. And I say this because Lucha Underground is known for their amazing movie-style production and their great wrestling. Ring of Honor is known for their amazing wrestling, their production not as good, but amazing wrestling. TNA is known for good tag team wrestling, good cruiserweight wrestling, and some of the best women's wrestling on the planet. I think that TNA and Ring of Honor, as much as they don't want to admit it, they need each other. Neither company is going to dethrone WWE on their own, so they might as well find a way to bring their, pool their resources together and see if they can at least compete against NXT and Lucha Underground. Yes, it is not the greatest thing in the world. Don't, 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 get me, you know, don't get me started with all the reasons why this is wrong. I want to look at all the reasons why this is right. Ring of Honor did not have a good TV deal here in New York City. Every Ring of Honor show, every Ring of Honor broadcast that I had to watch had to be through YouTube or other nefarious means. Uh, TNA, I, I pretty much watch TNA in, in blocks, meaning that I don't watch Impact for three weeks and then I watch them back to back to back to back. That's the only way that I'm able to enjoy TNA because much like Donnie from Tumbling with Tumbleweed just said, if TNA could tell a decent, consistent story, they would be much better. The only time that I get consistency out of TNA is by watching four episode blocks from my DVR because tuning in every week and seeing the disjointed amount of storytelling at play really, really doesn't do, do me, excuse me, doesn't motivate me to continue to tune in every week because at this point you could tune in five weeks from now and it would feel like you didn't miss anything. Like, I, I watched three weeks of Impact, and the only thing that I got out of it was that Taryn Terrell turned heel. She has a stable called The Dollhouse, and they've essentially stolen the gimmick from the chicks from the, from the movie Jawbreaker. That's it. That's all I got from, like, three weeks of programming. Oh, and, Tia, and, and MVP dropping, drop, you know, saying say, say nigga on, on uh, national television. That was it. Those were the only two things I got out of, you know, four episodes of Impact that I watched back to back. Everything else, donut. Now, bringing Ring of Honor into the fray makes TNA say, holy, sh holy shit, we're not the only game in town. Let's step our game up. And, and, you know, like I said, competition makes people better. Iron sharpens iron. And Donnie brings up another good point. Eric Young has been wasted. How many times has he been in and out with the BDC? Exactly. In those same four episodes, he worked with the BDC. Then he was feuding with Kurt Angle. Then he was involved with the BDC again. Then he's feuding with Bobby Lashley. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Eric Young went from being TNA's Daniel Bryan to being the guy that's fighting with everybody. And while I understand that that works... You can't, you can't just do that with practically every guy. You know who else that's being done with? James Storm. James Storm leads the revolution, is feuding with Magnus, is, is also kind of feuding with the Hardys 
and with Davy Richards from the Wolves. So again, just what is happening? Very, very disjointed booking. And lastly, and I got to bring this up. The other thing from TNA that I wanted to acknowledge is you take awesome Kong, you build her up as this force. Then all of a sudden, because the dollhouse is out there, awesome Kong, you know, gets, gets along with Gail Kim. It isn't awesome. Kong, the chick that can pretty much disassemble your entire roster. Well, your entire divas roster in, in, in the blink of an eye, all of a sudden now she needs Gail Kim to take apart three, you know, three Barbie dolls for, for argument's sake. I, again, disjointed booking. And that's not to take anything away from Taryn Terrell or Marty Bell or Jade. They're all great in the roles that they, that they have with the company, but certain people should be written a lot differently. Eric Young is one. Awesome Kong is another. Uh, the BDC, it's like one week you're booking them like the NWO. The next week you're booking them like the nation. And then you got Drew Galloway who's coming out there with his groundskeeper Willie voice. Uh, you know, you have this guy leading this faction, the rising. And, you know, it's cool. It, they got a they got a cool logo. They got cool music. Their T-shirts aren't bad. But Drew Galloway and that Irish bro groundskeeper Willie accent does not make me give a fuck about that stable. It doesn't. We are the rising. I'm like, all right, we got it. Thanks. It Nothing, nothing about it makes me give a shit about that faction. You know the cool thing about that faction? Like I said, the logo, the shirts, and, the, and their entrance music. Everything else, shit. Eli Drake, who is he? What does he do? Why is he in the stable? Like, I understand Micah, who used to be Camacho in NXT, who used to be with, um, what the hell's his name, with Hunico. That I understand. He's the son of Haku. He wants to be involved in a company that thrives on wrestling. He has a legit story. Drew Galloway, yeah, it sucked. It, you know, it was the chosen one in WWE, then it then joined a band with Heath Slater. Now, all of a sudden, he's this, this big enigma. You know, this big, big enigma that leads this faction that no one gives a fuck about. Simple. Donnie says, look at the talent they have lost. AJ Daniels, Petey Williams, Alex Shelley. Where's Hernandez? The rising bites. Drew, go away. Okay. So AJ is in New Japan and he's part of the Bullet Club. I have no problem with that. Daniels is actually in Ring of Honor with Kazarian, so you'll be seeing him real soon. He's part of a tag team called The Addiction. Petey Williams, I don't even know where Petey Williams is. Alex Shelley was in Japan. Hernandez is in Lucha Underground. As a matter of fact, he was in a title match this evening against Prince Puma that was amazing. As for the rising, I just, I just can't get invested when your leader is essentially groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons. Shit just doesn't work. Hate to say it, but it's true. Anyway, with that said, that is going to wrap up the wrestling news for this week. Uh, make sure you join us tomorrow night. Well, I should say tonight, uh, May 28th, for our gaming and entertainment edition. I'll be joined by Ben and Taylor from Black is the New Black. And um, that's it. Let's take let's let's wrap it up and let's get the hell out of here, shall we? 
You've just heard My Take Radio episode 295 presented by Rageworks. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio or advertising on air or on the site, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Social media, you can find us on Twitter at My Take Radio, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash My Take Radio, Google Plus, Pinterest, the usual places. Just look for My Take Radio, except for Pinterest. Pinterest is Rageworks. Uh, archived episodes of the show are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio are your three destinations. Of course, we do post all the episodes on RageWorks.net as well. Video versions of the show are available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV on YouTube, as well as official RageWorks. Again, live episodes air every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. That's MMA and wrestling. And Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. That's gaming and entertainment. You can watch, listen, and chat live at mtrlive.com or gfqlive.tv. Also remember, as we said at the top of the program, if you have a Roku box, you can actually stream the live shows via the GFQ app available on Roku. If you have Fire TV or Android TV, look for the GFQ app, and you can stream the show that way. And last but not least, if you are an Apple TV user, you can use the Daily Motion app. Look for GFQ there, and you can watch a live stream of the show as well. On behalf of myself and the rest of the Rageworks and MTR family, I will see you guys later. As always, thank you for tuning in, and thank you for your continued support. Peace. Peace. Uh, uh. That's all, folks.